0: This is 20 pages a week, where together you and I will read all the way through the Bible in a year. I'm Hal Hammonds, and I'm here to help. I'll supply one story to grab my attention, one verse I found particularly interesting, and one word I couldn't get out of my mind. The rest is up to you. This is Quarter 1, Lesson 5. The reading is the book of Numbers. We'll start with my first impressions. Whenever I read the book of Numbers, I always wondered if maybe it should have been called the book of names instead. Just one name after another, sometimes four or five in a single verse in this book. But the names are important. The names are God's way of keeping track of who is going to be entering into the land of Canaan, grouped by families and by tribes. This generation, of course, Moses' generation, is going to die in the wilderness, but their children are going to enter into the land. And every family is going to have their own allotment. Every family is going to be represented. Even the Levites, who did not get a tribal territory, per se, got cities that they would be able to dwell in. God didn't want anybody to be left out. If you are a child of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you have a part in this inheritance. Even the family of Zelophehad, a man who died in the wilderness, according to chapter 27, without any sons. His daughters would get an inheritance also. God was making sure that everybody would have their part. It would have been better if that generation that died in the wilderness could have been faithful at Kadesh Barnea and received the inheritance themselves instead of leaving it to their children. But sometimes we suffer so that our children can learn important lessons. <laughs> The story at Kadesh Barnea, where the people refused to go into the land and as a result were cursed to live in the wilderness for 40 years, that is the central thematic story and even spatially central story in the book of Numbers. I'd like to turn a page over, though, and look at a short narrative given to us in chapter 15, starting in verse number 32. Now, while the sons of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. And they placed him in custody because it had not been decided what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. I think we mentioned last week this phrase, just as the Lord commanded Moses, and how frequently it occurs in this part of the text. In theory, anyway, the people were very concerned with doing what God had told them to do as Moses had relayed the commandments of God. But here we get a command that seems, on the surface, to be almost too brutal, too horrible to contemplate. It's important to note, though, in the context, going back to Exodus chapter 31, verse 14, this was the penalty for working on the Sabbath day. If someone works on the Sabbath day, they would be stoned, they would be executed. And this is the first account, at least the first note I can recall, of this actually happening in the history of the people in the wilderness. And I don't doubt that the first time would be the hardest time. Are we really going to do this? Are we going to do what God has told us to do? And maybe that's why God made a point of telling the nation that everyone, the whole congregation, was to take this man out into the wilderness and stone him. Because everybody has a part in this. The nation had decided that they were going to forego judgment until they got a second opinion, as it were, from Moses. God says, I'm going to tell you, and you are all going to participate in this. It is vitally important that you keep the commandments, including and particularly when the commandments seem unreasonable or overly harsh, when it's something you don't want to do. And it's probably noteworthy also that we have a follow-up passage starting in verse 37 where they were told to make tassels for the corners of their garments and a violet thread within that tassel that was going to be a reminder of how they were supposed to obey the commandments of the Lord. And verse number 39 says, "...not follow your own heart and your own eyes, which led you to prostitute yourselves." Already we have gotten record here in the book of Numbers of the people drifting from God's will. This is what happens when we do what we feel is the best thing to do. Clearly, the people here, much like Balaam later on in the narrative, they're looking for an opportunity to do what they want to do rather than what God has already told them that they must do. We need to be reminded, allowing ourselves to have our own way, going in the way that feels best to us, is invariably going to get us into trouble. We need to trust God to guide us in the way that we should go not follow our own instincts, but follow His commands always. Sometimes that's a tough thing to do. Sometimes it's an unthinkable thing to do. But we have to have enough faith that God knows for our lives better than we know for ourselves. You'll have to indulge me a little bit this week with regard to the one verse. This is not the most important verse by any stretch of the imagination in the book of Numbers, but it is the verse that I have felt like was the most important verse from time to time. It's in chapter 16 in verse number 41, and it's toward the end of the narrative regarding the rebellion of Korah. You remember shortly after the Kadesh Barnea incident, after the people proved they were not righteous enough to enter into the land of Canaan, Korah and his company show up and start talking about how all the nation is holy, and it's not appropriate for Moses and Aaron to hoard all the power for themselves like that. And Moses decides that he's going to allow God to sort all these things out. And of course, he opens up the ground in front of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, swallows them whole along with their families. Not Korah's family, but the families of Dathan and Abiram. Number 16, verse 41 reads, But on the next day, all the congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, saying, You are the ones who have caused the death of the Lord's people. That is a crazy thing to say. I do not have the power to open up the earth and swallow people, nor does any preacher I've ever met. Nor did Moses, by the way, or Aaron. Now, the people in their superstition, the people in their shallow understanding of how God works, not necessarily surprising that they could have attributed the power of God directly to Moses. From their perspective, it sounds like Moses just tells God what to do, and then he does it. And I suppose that's what they mean by saying Moses has caused the death of the people of God. But what it basically boils down to is they are blaming Moses and Aaron for the destruction of their cousins, of their neighbors, of their friends. And that same kind of phenomenon happens today. The whole idea of don't shoot the messenger, that is an adage that has been popular for a long time, especially among messengers. Moses and Aaron have been teaching the people they need to be true to God's word and that there would be consequences if they did not. Korah and his group chose not to believe that. They suffered the consequences, and to a certain degree, the entire nation did as well. But this isn't Moses' law that he's enforcing. This is not Moses' will, Moses' preferences. This is the will of God. Blaming the preacher, blaming the messenger, is simply an excuse for rejecting the principles of God. If I can convince myself the preacher has it in for me or whatever, somehow that invalidates the teachings of God. I don't doubt that there are unworthy preachers out there who are doing things that are beneath the dignity of a preacher, but that doesn't mean God didn't say what he said. I want to talk about the word whatever that occurs at various places in this narrative. I'm going to point you particularly to chapter 23, verse 26, where Balaam replied to Balak, did I not tell you whatever the Lord speaks I must do. Balaam is hiring himself out to the king of Moab to curse the people of God. God won't allow him to do that, of course. And he realizes that ultimately, this is in the hand of God. God gets to decide what is and is not a prophecy, what is and is not truth. It's my personal conviction that he's trying to change God's mind on all of this. He's trying to find a loophole. This is an important lesson for all of us. It's an important message for preachers. I'm not in charge of this message. I have to go where God has told me to go. I have to do and say what God has told me to do and say. There's a lesson here with regard to inspiration, I think, probably. Balaam does not want to say what he says. It's pretty clear he wants a paycheck. But ultimately, if he's going to be inspired of God, he has to say, what God puts in his mouth. It's my understanding that he is not capable of doing anything else. Now, that doesn't work quite the same way for preachers in the modern day. We have a choice in the matter. But it's not much of a choice. It's a choice between doing God's will and not doing God's will, being a faithful steward, and being a rebellious servant. We need to make sure that the things that we say in the name of God are God's things, first, last, and always. And the same thing goes for the hearers. Whatever the Lord God says through Moses, through the apostles, through the written word, whatever God says, that's what we have to do. Not most of it, some of it, the things that we like, the things that we approve of, but whatever He says. I know that we use the word whatever these days in a slang way in sort of a dismissive fashion, whatever. But a dismissive attitude is not going to serve you well with regard to such things. We need to submit to God in all things not sit around and beg him to change his mind, not ask him to rethink these things, not give him chance after chance to reevaluate and reassess things. Simply and humbly listen to what he says and do it, whatever it is. Thanks for listening to 20 Pages a Week. Please don't hesitate to reach out with your stories about your trip through the Bible this year. I'd love to hear from you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with your friends check out my other podcast, Citizen of Heaven. I'll see you next week. We'll be reading Deuteronomy. God bless and keep reading.